Welcome back to the Spook Sisters. It is Wednesday, November 3rd, and it's story time with D.A. And as always, with me is my sister, Franny. Hey, Franny, what's going on? Hey, D.A., I'm good. How are you, girl? How are you? I'm good, actually. How are you this first week of November? Honestly, I'm doing quite shebanging, and I uh, can't be upset right now because I have your dog in my lap and cuddles all galore. Cuddles galore. From Alfred. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to um, start skating again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Oh, girl, I started skating early I know, I'm jolly. Uh, like 7 a.m.? 7 a.m.? Yeah, 7 a.m. skate session. Shred it. Uh, and it's liberating. Oh, okay. Very I mean, I'm a morning nice. person, but I don't know if I'm that much of a morning person. Oh, it's good. It gets me going. Mm-hmm. Gets mm-hmm. me going. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've got a nice little story that I found here. My mom told me about this story that she found on dun, 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 Facebook. Facebook. Oh, what's that? I don't know. I attempt to stay away from Fotchbook. Uh, I have not had a Fotchbook in <laughs> like eight years. I stay away from it. It is not a safe place for me. I'm non-existent, so. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like that Off sometimes. the grid. But mother's on it. And when mom got excited about this story and suggested that I do it, I uh, did check it out to make sure it was valid. And I wanted to share it with you. I cannot wait. I've been waiting for this for weeks. You've been having me so curious for these stories for what, three weeks now? It's been a minute. Yeah. Because mom told me about the story a minute ago. Yeah. And you've just been waiting for the time. And the time. And the time is now. So at this story I came across, it was on a couple of websites, face-to-faceafrica.com, africanexponent.com, House of Braidala, that's House of Braid LA. So I just want to say House of Braid Braid, LA. Dot com. And then Braidala. 91.com. This story that I am going to be reading to you, I found on medium.com written by Carolyn Essa. That's B-E-C-C-I-A. Okay. And it's the story of cornrows. What? Yes. The hairstyle girl. Girl. You ready? I am. Okay. Get my stuff all set up here. In the Caribbean, the style cornrows may be referred to the cane rose to represent slave planting sugarcane, not corn. Mm. This style of braiding is close to the scalp and underhand upward motion in order to create a single line of raised row, creating the cornrow and informed in a linear and geometric patterns. The traditional cornrowing is known as I'm going to, again, try to pronounce this correctly, but I run, that's I run, Didi, D-I-D-I, I run Didi. I run Didi. There's also many other names for the hairstyle, and I came up across a couple, and they were, dun, 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 dun. we had um, Shuku, which is a braid of like a form of a hump on top of the head. There are other styles called Echo Bridge, Roundabout, National, even National Theater. Mm. Yes. So these are all different types of braids, which I thought was like, oh, that's kind of cool. 
You can find the braided hairstyle across many cultures, but the cornrows originated in sub-Sahara Africa, and the first known depictions of these intricate braids can be seen in a cave painting found in Tessali Plateau of the Sahara, dating back roughly 3000 BC. Oh, wow. Uh, We will be posting that picture up on Instagram. Blackdoctor.org wrote, the depictions of women with cornrows can be found in Stone Age paintings, again, in the Tesla Plateau, and have been dated far back again as 3000 BC. There are also Native American paintings as far back as a thousand years showing cornrows as hairstyles. This tradition of female styling and cornrows has remained popular throughout Africa, particularly in Horn of Africa, West Africa, and historically male styling of cornrows can be traced as far back as early 19th century to Ethiopia, where warriors and kings such as Tudoro II and Johannes IV were depicted of wearing cornrows. Oh, wow. Correct. Gets better. (laughs) Although the beautiful hairstyle was more than aesthetic, it was also represented as one's social position, age, occupation, tribe, or marital status. Plaiting the hair was also a way for women to socialize and bomb. Still the same thing today. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Come over, friend, do my hair. I actually know how to do cornrows, and I've had my hair done plenty of times. And I think it's absolutely beautiful. So, I am—I said that word. Every time I say that word, I'm going to put five cents in my sew jar. During the transatlantic, transatlantic slave trade, Slave traders encountered Africans with elaborately braided hair and that were first attempted by the artistry that respected the change when the money exchanged hands. So these beautiful people were coming over with their hair braided so beautifully. But as soon as the money changed hands, when the slave traders captioned the African and, and, and African men and women, they shaved their heads get out before imprisoning them on slave ships. The captures claim to shave their heads for sanitary reasons to maintain a neat and tidy appearance. No. Yes. That's they bullshit. Yeah. They shaved. But their reason for doing so is absolute blasphemy. Mm-hmm. And I cannot agree with that. I don't agree with any of that. Exactly. So, but when you're sold for money and you are an object at that point, you're not looked at as a human being, then they can do whatever they want. And it's just like, yeah, it's normal. That makes me so... It's disgusting. So angry. In America, enslaved black women would braid their hair on Sundays and in more simplistic styles with neat and linear rows. This was not a fashion choice, but a function choice. Hair had to be easy to manage. Scalps had to be kept cool to work long hours on those fucking plantations. And fashion choices for free women and enslaved women, we don't, they didn't have that much luxury at all. So, one way or no way. Right. So, fashion choices were only for free women. Oh, wow. If you didn't have fashion choices when you were a slave, said one way or no way. Yep. It's either one way, you refuse, you die. 
I feel like they'd kill him off if they refused. Well, of course they did, or shaved their head, or did something I awful like, well, and drastic beating, to them. Torture, oh, for sure. All that fucking oh, bullshit. Sure. But as always in DA stories, there's a little bit of a positive. One man found a way to use the hair as a gateway to freedom. Tell me more. Cornrows were used as ciphers. Around the 17th century, King Binkos Bioho was captured from his home in Africa by the Portuguese and taken to Colombia. He later escaped and built a walled in city in San Basilio de Palanique. I'm going to spell, spell it. Mm-hmm. Here we are. P-A-L-E-N-Q-U-E. P-A-L-E-N-Q-U-E. Mm-hmm. Palanque. Perfect. A village in North <laughs> Colombia. Thereby, Ho built or created an army of escaped slaves and established an intelligent network to free other slaves. This is where it gets good. Yeah, yeah. One of the ways he sent secret messages to his army was through women's cornrows. <gasps> that is genius. The curved braids represented roads that slaves would take to escape. Cornrows became a freedom map woven into their heads. Talk about genius. I mean, other times patterns hid military maps or braids concealed tiny seeds to grow new crops. One of the styles called the Departes signal it was time to escape. Okay. So all hidden, hidden, and they wouldn't have even thought twice about it. That's amazing. Correct. The site epitome explains, since slaves were rarely given the privilege of writing materials, or even if they did have it, such kind of messages or maps getting into the wrong hands could create a lot of trouble for the people in question. Cornrows were the perfect way to go about such things. No one would question or think one could hide an entire map in their hairstyle. So it was easy to calculate them without anyone finding out about them. Exactly. Cause no, no one's paying attention. Correct. No one's paying attention. Afro-Colombian Zomara Asparilla Garcia further explained to the Washington Post in the article, Afro-Colombian women braid messages of freedom in hairstyles. In the time of slavery in Colombia, hair braiding was used to relay messages. For example, to signal that they wanted to escape, women would braid a hairstyle called apartes, as we were just thinking or we just talking about. It had a thick, tight braid braided closely to the scalp and tied into the buns on top. Wow. Another braid or another style had curved braids tightly to their head. Curved braids would represent the roads they would use to escape. In the braids, they also kept gold. And again, like we said, hid seeds, which in the long run would help them survive after they escaped. That is truly amazing, DA. So this is not just a hairstyle. No, this is a lifesaver. Exactly. A literal, so, a literal way of survival. So I just want to kind of put this in pause for a second. This is kind okay. of what I want to talk about. When I was younger, I definitely put my hair in, you know, plaits and cornrows, you know, 
and I've even kept it there for like a week or so, just washing the scalp and kind of, you know, doing what white girl does to their hair. But after reading this and after reading kind of the struggle of what women of color had to go through, mm-hmm. kind of makes me rethink. I'm like, uh, is this the type of hairstyle that a white woman should be wearing? Because it's not just a hairstyle. This is this was something that showed that the, at the time POCs obviously were treated like garbage and still are. Uh, I mean, so it's just kind of like one of those things. It's, is it, is it okay for a a non-person of color to wear? I think like everything comes a fine line, uh, off of mutual respect, cultural appropriation, um, nothing to be discriminated. Mm. You know, if, uh, again, you as a, young child teenager uh of at the time um unknowingly that at that point it's different you know those are fine lines you're unaware you were uneducated at the time to you you were embracing something that you encountered as beautiful mm-hmm. that you wanted to also represent because you loved it so much mm-hmm. so at that point in time you weren't doing it in a discriminative sense and so I, and this is just my own personal opinion, would presume, yes, that is okay. You know, you're not out here wearing certain hairstyles in a form uh, in in being neglectful. Or being unsensitive. Correct. Insensitive. All all of the above. Yes. All of those boxes in the negative aspect, you were not doing so. You know, and I think that is where it draws a very much of a fine line. Mm -hmm. Because... After again reading reading these when you know these websites, and this is the next Israel brought up this question, was we have Emma uh, Daburi, author of Don't Touch My Hair, explains cultural appropriation operates as a part of a structural power dynamic where the appropriating actors belong to an advantaged group. This group systematically attracts the cultural resources of a, insub- of a subordinate group, not insubordinate, subordinate group, erasing the subordinate group's involvement in the process. For some, a hairstyle represents a bodily anatomy that they are struggling to reclaim. Some fashion are more, fashions are more than fashions. Some fashions are steep in the cultural identities and cannot be unwoven from the past. So when I read that, I was just, I said, okay, well, maybe rethinking about what kind of hairstyle is popular or that you, if it is popular, are you okay to wear it? Right. We've, I've had this conversation many a time where I've wanted to get a natural color of my own. I'm not looking um, at a crazy color, but a natural color to my skin tone to get an Afro. Yeah. I've always wanted one, not because of, you know. Again, anything in a neglectful or insensitive way, you just find that hairstyle beautiful. You want to rock it. I do. You want to rock it. And there's nothing wrong with that. And and I know that in the 70s, though you had an Afro. I mean, my dad had an Afro in the 70s. Obviously, he's not a POC, but I mean, you know, he 
had an afro. I think it's a very natural way for a person to style their to hair. Style their hair. Yeah. And let me tell you, on a beautiful ebony black woman, an afro is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Most beautiful thing. And it's when it's natural, even with that pick in there, sign. Yeah. <laughs> You're wonderful. <laughs> so that's what I have. Again, it was a very short story. I just wanted to bring awareness to that. A little history t- into awareness of then to which is still in a full, full effect, if not even more today. Yes. And I am very, very much pleased with what you've brought to me today. I really am. I do have another story if you want to hear Absolutely about it. Absolutely, I want to hear. Bring encore, encore, encore. So we have a wonderful woman by the name of Maggie Lena Walker. She was born in 1864 and died in 1934. This is from womenshistory.org. At the turn of the century, Maggie Lena Walker was one of the most foremost female business leaders in the U.S. She gained natural prominence when she became the first woman to own a bank in the United States. She Walker's uh, entrepreneurial skills transformed black business practices while also inspiring other women to enter the field. Did I forget to mention that Miss Maggie Lena Walker was a POC? You did. You did indeed. I did indeed. I just wanted to get you, maybe get that up on that. Thanks for the facts. (laughs) Walker was born to an Enslaved, they were, she was born to enslaved parents on July 15th, 1864 in Richmond, Virginia. After the Civil War, her mother worked as a laundress and her father worked as a butler in a popular Richmond hotel. Walker's father was killed and she had to help her family financially by working. Although his death was ruled a suicide, Walker later revealed that she believed he was murdered. Uh, do they? Do you know if she went in further with that? Into what that, happened? I don't know. So, if you want to pick up the pieces on that, go right on ahead. Just might. She attended a local school in Richmond, and upon graduating, began teaching. This woman's amazing. Aww. She stepped down from teaching after she married a successful brick maker. When Walker was 14, she joined the Independent Order of St. Luke's and an African-American benevolent organization that helped the sick and elderly in Richmond. When the organization, Walker held many high-ranking positions. In 1902, she began publishing the organization newspaper, the St. Luke Herald. She encouraged African-Americans in Richmond to harness their economic power by establishing their own institutions through the newspaper. I uh, I listened to absolutely every single word you said, and, I, and that is phenomenal on what she achieved. But I am stuck on the fact that, you, are you telling me this woman got married at 14? <laughs> Back then, that's where they did it. I know, I, it's like the gypsies, but to which I love. But uh, yeah, that's I, my, I, I heard it all. It grasped all. And then my brain just goes right, right. back to the, she was 14. 
when she got married. He's, he's and gonna, then he's gonna but roll no, over that. But then rolling into all that, all of those achievements that as a 14 year old at that time and as a woman and a POC, phenomenal, outstanding, beautiful, round of applause. Lady Gaga says it all. All the way. <laughs> Accurate. I love you. I love you. Walker always had focused on her effort on efforts. Efforts. Efforts on accounting and math. So she was a math whiz. Oh, help me. <laughs> Fuzzy math over here. Yeah. Her first business endeavor was a com- uh, community interest insurance interest. I'm so excited about telling the story. <laughs> I can tell. Community insurance company for women. Women. Owned by women for women. Love it. To the power of the women. Women. From where she continued her entrepreneurial pursuits. In 1903, she founded the St. Luke Penny Saving Bank. Walker was the first woman of any race to charter a bank in the United States. That's right. That's my girl. Black women know what's up, man. I absolutely I mean, you want to talk about a powerful force. The bank was a powerful representation of black self-help in the segregated South. The Penny Savings Bank not only attracted adults, but Walker worked to appeal to children by passing out banks, which encouraged them to save their money. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Like little piggy banks. (laughs) I love that. Listen, one of my favorite piggy banks that I've ever owned is a piggy in the shape of a pumpkin. And it's the cutest little thing ever. I bet you love that. I do. But I did gift it to my mother for her salon. So Tip she's jar. got, yeah, she's got my little piggy over there with That's her. Sweet. Yeah. That was nice. <laughs> In 1915, Walker's husband. Oh, this is sad. In 1915, Walker's husband was killed by her son. What the hell? After he mistook him for a burglar. You look like a burglar as I'm looking at you right now. And you're just like, ah, you like my shirt. Wear a striped sweater. Her husband's passing left her in charge of the large estate. What? What? She continued working to for the Order of St. Luke, but also held leadership positions in civic organizations, including the National Association of Colored Women, NACW. She also served as the vice president of a Richmond chapter of National Association of the Advancement of Colored People. The NAACP, everybody. NAACP. By 1924, this was over 100 years ago. I was, yeah, holy cow. Yeah. The Penny Saving Bank was, has spread in other parts of Virginia and oh, including more than 50,000 members. This was in 1924. That's amazing, though. Exactly. And this is while other ba- uh, banks collapsed during the Great Depression. Round of a motherfucking applause. Let me get some snaps for her. Look at what she fucking That's did. What ta- <gasps> That's what I'm talking about. The bank eventually collided or collided consolidated with two other larger <laughs> banks and moved to downtown Richmond. It is still in operation today. We're going to go visit. We should go visit. We should. That'd Make be kind of trip. cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, after an illness in 1928, Walker was forced to use a wheelchair. Although she had limited movement, Walker remained a leader in Richmond African American community. 
I bet she did. I bet she did, too. The wheelchair's not going to stop her. She fought for women's rights as well for as much as her life. Walker served as a board member of the Virginia Industrial School for Girls. That is so beautiful. I know. She just sounds like an amazing lady. Yeah, she does. On December 15th, 1934, Walker died from complications due to diabetes. Walker's house in Richmond, Virginia has been designated as a national historic site by the National Park Service. We should go pay a visit to that too. In Rich, well, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in Richmond. I know, but how talk about going and taking a little trip to Virginia, huh? I know, that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of good stuff in we Virginia. We can definitely mark that one for the books. That would be good. That would be good to kind going of into go into year, and maybe. visit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we have so many places to I know. go. It's unbelievable. It's like we should start getting those stickers and putting it on our luggage. Absolutely. We should. <laughs> I one of those. That would be so cute. I know. <laughs> From the 1930s. These are all of our stickers that were of all the places that we've been to. Uh, I love stickers. I love stickers, too. Speaking of stickers. Oh, my gosh. If we can get those stickers, you want to tell them about it? I will. Uh DA and I have a little little sticker up our sleeve idea that uh, we are going to be making some stickers and uh, we will be making them available at some point in time. So stay tuned. We won't say when, uh, but we do have it in the works. Sticker merch. Sticker merch. Yay. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed my awareness today. A little bit of history with the, um, again, when I'm braiding situation where braids can save a person's life down for it. And then of course, Miss Walker in Richmond, Virginia. Beautiful. I, I'm really pleased with what you've brought me today. I really am. Oh, I thanks. really, really am. I, I really enjoyed friend. it. So thank you for that. You're very, very welcome. And as always, thank you so much for listening and supporting us. Yes. And stay tuned again for our Monday's episode of True Crime. True Crime. You never know what Franny's going to pull out of her hat. And then always Wednesday with DA. We always appreciate everybody listening. And we even more uh, appreciate if you guys give us a like Follow, share, and comment, and give us your feedback on what you think about the Spook Sisters. Agreed. Spook Sisters. Spook Sisters, go. Activate. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, we thank you all for listening thank to you. the Spook, Spook Sisters. Sisters.